Hey everybody, welcome to the Boning Soul Podcast. Thanks for joining me again. Okay, so um, today's episode, I'm just going to jump right into it. Yeah, today's episode, I speak to a guy down in Texas by the name of Jesse Johnson. Um, Again, you know, got on my radar just watching YouTube. Um, You know, it's great that, by the way, there's lots of new people jumping into this whole uh, traditional space. Uh, Even if it's not traditional, if it's a good hunting video, I'm going to watch it, right? Um, Unless we're, you know, we're we're, we're picking off... uh, I don't know, mule deer from like 90 yards away and calling that hunting. Sorry, that's, I, I, I can't, 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 can't abide. But um, all these other channels that are coming out with like kind of gritty, you know, do it yourself, um, you know, really cool tactics, get close, uh, hunting, you know, even if it's with a compound, that's fine. I don't care. There, there's a few channels out there that, that I watch like that, but most of them I watch are traditional. And he's, uh, this guy is one of the traditional ones. And uh, he lives down in Texas. And like I said, his name is Jesse Johnson. And what really fascinated me was that he does like 99% of his hunting on public land. Now, if you could say public land in Texas, they don't really go together. You know, the first question is like, huh, where? Uh, well, apparently there is public land in Texas, just not a lot. And he happened to have moved into a place where he's within a, uh, let's call it a relatively close enough drive, right? It's not like 15 minutes or whatever, but I think he said it's within uh, hour, hour and a half, uh, whatever he could be in some of these spots. And um, he makes full, uh, you know, full, f- takes full advantage of it. Pretty successful down there. He, um, like I said, he, he's, he's everything outdoors, right? I mean, he loves to hunt. He loves to fish equally. Uh, we get into that a little bit. We don't really dive too much into fishing, but if you guys are into fishing content, he's got a lot of stuff on his YouTube channel as well. It's under Jesse Johnson. So um, definitely worth worth checking him out. Really cool getting to know him. Um, you can tell he's like just super passionate about being a sportsman, and uh, that's that's good to see. You know, he's out there for the right reasons. He's he's being successful because he puts in a lot of hard work, and uh, that's you know that that, that kind of reward is, is really good to see. So, uh, other than that, there's really no other really no other updates. Uh, just kind of doing some more arrow tuning and stuff, uh, doing more you know tinkering like I do always. Still uh, going through the Tom Clum course. I really haven't made much headway past the last time I talked to you guys. Just haven't had time. Just been super busy. But uh, I also have access now to the um, uh, the tuning course uh, from the Push. So, <clears throat> so obviously, good segue here to, to you know mention that. Obviously, this podcast is partially brought to you by the Push Push Archery Center of Knowledge, and all kinds of awesome courses out there. Like I said, I finished the Joel Turner one. I found great benefit in it, even though, like I said, we we've we've heard Joel's. Um, uh, explanations and all that stuff for like years and years now, you know, but there's, there's a lot of good stuff in there. So it's definitely worth a watch. And obviously when you sign up for these courses too, you also get the updates, right? There's like new modules, new updates, that kind of stuff. So you all always get that stuff, uh, for free. So, um, working my way through the Tom Clum one, obviously. And I really want to get into the one, uh, with the, the tuning, uh, 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 the tuning your bow for, for bow hunters one, because, um, you know, trad lab, Cody Greenwood. I don't know. Some of you guys listening may be like, oh man, that's, you know, I, I, I don't like that, that approach. I don't like that guy. I don't like these, uh, you know, new, newfangled ways. Well, you know what? Um, you can always pick up something about something and apply it to whatever you're doing. Um, so I don't know if, if, uh, if it's not your thing, that's fine, but I'm totally looking forward to, uh, to, to that course. I like geeking out about it. And, uh, if I can pull out, you know, little bits and apply it to what I'm doing, that's fantastic. So I'm going to, I'm going to do that. And, uh, I, I just can't wait. There's so many hours of content that I want to get through. 
that uh, I just don't I don't have enough time to do it. You know what I mean? Because I, <laughs> I, I sit too much in, in front of uh, YouTube watching this, all, all this other awesome content that all you guys are, uh, are putting out. Some of, you, some of you guys are putting out content that are listening to this, and I appreciate that. Keep doing that. So I did a couple new videos, actually, um, just past couple days here. Um, haven't put them out yet. And one of them is on this uh, new knife that this uh, Boyer in, uh, Boyer, knife maker in Hawaii set me, Hiko Ito. And I uh, just did a video on that. And I, I caught myself, caught myself like three times making the video. And I actually left it in the video just because, uh, I don't know, I'm an idiot. But um, more on that, more more on uh, reviews on, on, on that kind of stuff coming up. I'm going to go more in depth. Maybe I'll have them on the podcast too. I'd like to do that just to kind of, you know, we always have boyers and stuff on here. Uh, would love to pick a uh, custom knife maker's uh, uh, brain too. So see, see what that's that's all about. Travis Styles, of course, was on here a couple of years ago. I'd like to have him on as well. So I don't know, uh, lots of lots of interesting topics we can go down with uh, with with all these talented craftsmen. So I always like I always like hearing about that because I myself have no talent for for any of this stuff. So anywho. That's it. I'm going to stop babbling. If you like this, uh, please like, share, and subscribe. Super important. Go watch the uh, YouTube channel. Subscribe on Instagram. Leave comments. Interact. Uh, that's huge, huge, huge. And uh, spread the word on, I don't know, Facebook groups, forums, all that kind of stuff. So I really appreciate the guys of you uh, who actually listen, your dedication. So much appreciated. Anywho, all right, here is my interview with Jesse Johnson. There we go. Okay. Is this a recording on your end? Says, yep, it's a recording call. Perfect, awesome. So, um, okay, so <laughs> on the phone, uh, I have Jesse Johnson, um, and uh, thanks for doing this, by the way. It's 8.30 our time, at least it's it's central, so this kind of works out, you know, yeah. pretty good for us. It's kind of tough to book these late, but um, you and I literally talked for, what, uh, 30 seconds before we started recording this? Yep, pretty much. <laughs> so... Um, yeah. So again, thanks for doing this. I, I really appreciate it. So you are down, uh, you're down in Texas, correct? Yes, sir. North Texas. Okay. And, uh, of course just kind of perusing YouTube and stuff, right. That's how I, I, I came to start, you know, watching your stuff and, uh, I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, here's a guy that's, uh, uh, you're, you're all under the outdoors. I see you got a ton of fishing stuff out there, a ton of hunting stuff out there and you've had some success, uh, in the traditional world. And I'm like, well, Hey, I want to get, I want to kind of get to know this guy. So, here we are. We're talking, and um, I don't know. I guess for for those that um, don't know much about you, I guess. I mean, you want to just kind of give like the really quick synopsis of you know who you are, what you do, and and uh, we'll just kind of go from there. Yeah, for sure. So uh, my name is Jesse Johnson. Um, I actually did not grow up in Texas. I grew up in South Louisiana, and uh, didn't move up here till oh, I guess it was my summer, my junior year. Uh, my my dad's a Baptist pastor, and he took a job up here, and we're a pretty close-knit family, so I didn't have an option. He told me to get in the car and um, pretty much came up here. But like I said, I grew up in, in South Louisiana, uh, grew up in your typical kind of southern hunting family. Uh, grandfathers, uncles, all them hunted outdoors uh, and, and got to do that, got to enjoy that, always had access to family leases or private land. And um uh, just grew up doing that. I, I wouldn't say necessarily, uh, I mean, I learned a lot from my uncles and grandfather and them, but it was, you know, kind of the basic 101, you know, here's a scrape, here's a rub, here's a trail. Um, but I didn't really, I kind of got more deep into it the older I got, uh, when I got into high school and stuff, just, 
um, kind of immersed myself in the outdoors, just had an itch. And uh, if, it, if it was outdoors, I got involved in it. And uh, when I moved to Texas, just kept pattern. And um, that's, that's my thing. That's what I do. doesn't matter what it is. If it's hunting, fishing, hiking, camping, I love it. How old were you when you uh, when you moved? So summer of my junior year, so I was 17. Okay, so you had a little, you know, a fair bit of experience then, as far as like being yeah. outdoors and stuff. So you know, you you could recognize uh, the difference, you know, in change between hunting in, I mean, South Louisiana versus where are you in Texas right now? What what part of Texas? So kind of Denton, Texas, is probably the best area I could give you. Um, most people know that area, North Texas, uh, about 40 minutes north of Dallas and about 10 minutes south of uh of denton so but yeah it was a total it was culture shock in two different ways because i went from hunting you know louisiana to the topography of texas and uh we're kind of a cross timbers area not really the south texas people think of when you hunt uh, when you think of hunting texas so a lot of scrub oak blackjack oak and um so when i moved here i had to adapt that and then i moved away from all of my connections and family. So uh, public land was pretty much my only option. And it kind of turned out into the, the best thing that ever happened to me. I, I kind of fell in love with it and say 98, 99% of what I do now in the outdoors is all in public. So uh, all in all, it was a good move, but it, it took me, um took me a few years to, to get my head wrapped around it and start getting some success, I guess you could say. All right. So I definitely want to come back to that and unpack all that because uh, the the term, you know, public land and Texas really like don't go together in people's heads. Right. So I want to like really, really dive into that later. But um, let's back up a little bit. So uh, growing up, you said you had, you know, you, you were, you know, I grew up a little bit hunting here and there kind of thing. So was it uh, was it bow? Was it was a gun? Was it what, what was your kind of experience and how did you kind of evolve into to being a bow hunter? Yeah, so um, I actually would say I, I kind of grew up hunting a good bit. Uh, it was just kind of your typical deer lease, deer property, you know, uh, gun hunting when gun season was open and bow hunting. And I was always interested in the bow hunting. Um, my grandfather had an itch for it, too. He enjoyed it a lot. And uh, I think I think when I was like 10, like 10 years old, um, I had like a, you know, a bear – $80 or Walmart, single cam, you know, no sights or nothing on it. And uh, I started plinking around with it and messing with it. And uh, my grandfather took me up to Gander Mountain, if people remember those, and bought me a compound as a Browning Micromitis. And uh, I think it was the next deer season. I shot, I shot my first deer with it, and I fell in love with the bow hunting from that point in time. Uh, I was... I was hooked on that, and I st- still did a lot of gun hunting. I still do gun hunt a decent bit, but um, uh, bow hunting is definitely kind of my passion. So, yeah, 11, you know, 10, 11 years old is kind of when I got I got hooked on the bow hunting scene. Oh, okay, sweet. So, like, pretty pretty nice and early. So, when you were in Louisiana, was it? Um, you mentioned something about leases. Um, was it was it kind of private land there as well that you guys did, or? Yeah, for sure. So, um, I had uh family that had leases um up until the time i was eight or nine and then uh i actually got permission um we kind of i kind of grew up out in the country and there was a property next door to us that had about 25 acres on it and i got permission to bow hunt it and that's kind of where i cut my teeth uh just hunting in the backyard never killed a lot never killed a big buck but i normally would kill 
kill a doe back there every year and it was private land that I, I was the only one that had permission to hunt it and uh did that and then actually later on my grandfather got some property in south texas and hunted that a good little bit um but uh, yeah a lot of it was private land hunting clubs i don't know uh if a lot of people are familiar with that but down south you know people will lease thousand acres 1500 acres and then they'll lease out like a, a 20 gun membership so you might have 20 hunters on that normally they'll have a trailer or something on the property everybody can stay and at least go from hunting camps hunting clubs so I've, I've heard of hunting clubs and it's a pretty i mean i'm in minnesota right so it's a pretty foreign thing to i don't know any anybody i guess north <laughs> north of the mason dixon line i guess yep. um you know they're, they're pretty popular from what i understand you know like like georgia alabama um like i don't know you name it any, any of this other stuff right um do you i, I have zero experience with it okay mm-hmm. so my initial reaction to that would be like oh i would hate that right yeah but um what 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 is it really like i mean are you, are you restricted on where you can go uh are you restricted on what you could shoot uh do other people kind of mess up your hunts or is it you know it's not as bad as uh it, it sounds it so it all kind of it it's like everything else it depends on the people you're with um you get into some of the hunting clubs and there's drama that follows it uh and you know people get upset about certain things most of the hunting clubs you know, in Texas, we can I think we can shoot three does, two bucks, and most of the hunting clubs will tell you, okay, we're gonna say a member can only shoot one buck, and he's got to be 13 inches wide, and you can have two does, and your guest can shoot one of your does. So it all depends on who you get into the hunting club with. I was lucky enough, most of the time, our hunting clubs were pretty much family only or people that were like family. Yeah. Uh, but there was restrictions, like, um, you know. You didn't just have your own stands you go to, and everybody was allowed to go hunt anyone's stands. Uh, you kind of either put your your name on a stand before the hunt the night before the morning and say, "Hey, this is where I'm going to hunt tomorrow." And uh, so it um it definitely can be restricting, uh, but it's also fun because I mean you always have somebody to come back to, and there's a lot of camp uh, camaraderie and all that stuff. But it, like I said, it kind of depends on who you're in the club with. Yeah, I, I I can see that. I can see the kind of camp atmosphere, you know, hunt um like deer camp atmosphere. That'd be that'd be good. But then like, you know, let's say midday or early morning or whatever, you're like, man, this the stand isn't working. The winds you know, winds have changed, or you see something, or or something isn't right, or whatever. I mean, you don't really have the freedom to get go down and move like I don't know 300 yards one direction or the or two, yeah. I mean, or um yeah, I guess that'd be kind of I, I would feel a little uh hamstrung that way. But uh, I'm I don't know. I guess it's it's just kind of the way. When, when i talk to people about it they're like well that's just the way that's just the way we do it you know what i mean so they don't really you know know good bad or indifferent i guess unless they've done it other ways so you know it's one of those i'm, I'm kind of judging from afar kind of thing no you can i mean there's always clubs where a couple different guys are mobile and move around a lot of the hunting clubs are you know uncle so-and-so or grandpa's gonna sit the same box stand they've been sitting you know, for their entire yeah. life. And, and most down south, and I'm not bashing it, people can do whatever they want. Most down south hunting is over bait, you know, corn piles, food plots. And, sure. you know, I, I, which I'm, I'm fine with people doing that as long as it's legal. I don't hunt like that much anymore. I, I still do occasionally when I get access to some private invite hunts. But um, so really, I mean, when you're in those spots, like there's not really a lot to move. Like you're just hoping they're coming into the bait pile. So, uh, yeah. It just it, it varies, you know. You if you picked out the right guys and got into it, you can mobile hunt it and hunt it very strategic. Uh, 
So it just depends. Yeah, the the only bait hunting I've done is you know I like shot like pigs over bait in Florida, right? And I'm I'm 100% for it. <laughs> for know, sure, it's fun. You know when you're down there uh, and and you're waiting for them to come in, it's a different type of excitement. I mean, obviously I'd love it. I'd like it to be um, you know like free range spot and stalk all that stuff. But I mean, there's something to be said for just hanging out and watching a bunch of pigs come in and just go wild. And uh, uh, I don't know, I, I I like that. But so okay, so all of a sudden you're like uh, your dad's like, okay, we're gonna up and move. We're going to Texas um you know probably middle of middle of high school kind of culture shock right i mean all kinds of shock not just hunting but uh you know life life uh change and stuff so you go and uh how different is the terrain when you when you get to uh would you say denton is that what it was yeah i kind of didn't area north yeah. texas yeah yeah it was uh swapped out you know um knee high uh rubber boots for snake boots because uh, you got rattlesnakes <laughs> and um uh Definitely, you know, some of the some of the places I hunt and grow up in Louisiana, you know, you'd go to your stand in a boat or, you know, you'd be wading through saloons and stuff. And um, so it was it was a definitely a culture shock of how to adjust how I hunted. But I had to when I when I moved here, that's when I really started learning how to hunt, I guess, um, got more into woodsmanship skills. And uh, like you said, we can get into it, hunt public and everything. But uh, as far as not just being able to sit over bait and know you have a good chance, I had to learn a lot about, okay, this type of tree is going to drop this and they're going to feed on this in this month and they're going to use this train feature this time of year. So it was, uh, like I said, it was it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because it took quite a few years, but um, really made me become a lot better hunter. Because you had to, right? I mean, you, you had to. I mean, I was broke. Yeah. I had no money to get into uh private land in texas is so stinking expensive i mean i was actually in a lease for one year and like in the middle of december the landowner called us and said hey someone bought the property i'll need to have y'all stands off in 15 days like oh. literally I mean, somebody will always pay more i mean to get probably six seven hundred acres you're gonna pay thirty five hundred four thousand dollars a gun to get access to hunt that and it's just per you, person oh, you can lose it yeah, if it's in the right era, you're going to pay a lot of money. So I couldn't throw that type of money around, especially not in college. So Holy crap. So, I mean, you're talking what? You would just say two bucks, uh, two bucks when what? How many does or whatever? So for five deer, you're paying like, I mean, that's like what? Uh, my math is terrible. It's like 700 bucks a deer, isn't it? Or something like that. I mean, at, yeah. that, at that at that rate. Oh, my goodness. That's that's insane. That's insanity yeah. to me. <laughs> Some people have better luck with it. Like uh, I, have, I have a video on my YouTube channel. My wife got invited to go to our cousins and shoot a doe this year, and they've had that lease for, I think, six years now. They've just made really good friends with the landowner. He doesn't even shop it out, and they, they don't pay a lot. But if if you're like on those whitetail properties or farms and stuff, there's always going to be somebody that's willing to pay $1,000 more than you. So they say wow. about average, if you get a property for about two years, you can expect to lose it about the third year. Unreal. So, yeah no it's trading it's like i don't even want to put that effort in like i like kind of knowing what i'm going into so um okay so then the public land thing right so texas is not known it's like what is it, like one percent public land or something yeah, so uh, did you just luck out and happen to be close to that one percent or I mean, how, how does that work for you how, how big are these areas and how close are you so i, I tell people when they talk to me about this because we got this question a lot one, I think it's like 1.2, 1.3% in Texas is public land, but Texas is so massive that 1% is still pretty huge. Like 
you can still find public if you want to. Now, I was kind of like you said, I was lucky. I was in a good little area. So north, west, and south, in about an hour, hour and 15 minutes, I have access to over 100,000 acres of public land. Now, up north, that's not a lot, but down here, not a lot of people hunt public land. So um, I, I'm kind of lucky. I can I can drive an hour, hour and 15 and get into some big parcels. Hour, hour, 15. And you said, what, 100,000 100, acres? Is that what you said? Yeah, between a couple WMAs. Uh, so we're broke down into – we have a national forest. We have national grasslands. We have WMAs. So some of them are 10,000 acres. One's 40,000 acres. One's 30,000 acres. So, And then we also have a lot of four or 5,000-acre units that you have to do a lot of research to get access to. But mm-hmm. we have uh, Army Corps of Engineers. And you can put in for a draw, and they'll give out limited number of permits. And I sneak into those a good bit for some pig hunting, and uh, those can be little jewels if you you remember to get up at midnight and be one of the hundreds of guys that get 15 tags. So we have something kind of similar here. We do there's um, they do kind of uh, urban huts around here right. uh, for the metro areas, and I've I've never been I, up until the past couple of years I, I've been traveling a lot, right? So I've never been in town to do them, mm-hmm. and then um, or to be able to even get on the list to do them. <laughs> and then when I when I change jobs, uh, they stop taking applications because there were so many people, yeah. uh, you know, getting into it. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's worth checking out for next year because. Uh, uh, you know, we, we had that COVID spike in people hunting. And like this year, I noticed a, a, a definite drop off in how many people were, were, were in the woods, which is a good thing um, oh. for me. So I don't know. But anyway, so they, they have a uh, they have a, um, a hunt here at one of the uh, one of the Army ba- or National Guard bases. Army? National Guard? I can't remember. Um, but same thing, you know, they uh, you, you get you get to hunt there and it's like uh x many tags or whatever but i guess people go and they line up you know the night before the day before whatever on the side of the road first come first serve you sign in and you know uh i guess you know if you're if you're lucky enough to get one of the one of the better spots and you know you know get on you if not then you're <laughs> you get what you get kind of thing you know yeah we have to play that game a little bit here and we even have some that are around some of the bit- bigger mm-hmm. suburb areas and so many of the I, I call them Karens. <laughs> so many of the wealthy landowners near those publics, the the older women will go put in for the tags just so because they don't want deer getting shot. So they'll go put in for the tags and then they'll they'll just burn them. They'll just they'll just won't have anything to do with them so people can't be hunting. That sounds like what they do with some of these uh, uh, like PETA type groups do out west, right? With uh, with bear hunts and and things like that, they'll 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 flood the lotteries or or the uh, you know they'll play the points game too, just so they can draw a bear tag or or you know some sort of predator tag, and then and then burn that, you know, just because they don't want hunters uh, hunting and yeah. you know they think uh, you know animals die a Disney death out there, you know, or sad. All they're doing is hurting them more. <laughs> It's it's yeah we don't have to get into that because it, it gets me fired up but uh, no, for sure so um so I did uh, it, it sounds like it didn't take you long to find these uh find find these places right I mean mm-hmm. um I'm I'm sure it's it's you're, you're at this point you're pretty avid uh, by the time you move you're a pretty avid sportsman you're like all right I'm gonna go find these places um so are you how how often are you able to get to these I mean are you going out there for uh you know for scouting and stuff too are you just going through you know, for for deer season are you able to get out there for for other types of games small game or hogs or uh you know whatever you know or is it more limited time because it's kind of a, a little bit of a drive 
Right. So uh, I'm blessed um, for a living. I, I build houses. Um, I'm a construction manager, so I can kind of call my schedule based off of what I've gotten done. Um, nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Texas is awesome because we have pretty much year round um, hog hunting. So uh, I don't do a lot of preseason scouting for deer hunting um, just because I've learned, you know, you can do preseason scouting, figure out their pattern, but on October 1st, you're probably going to have 2,000 people hit the woods and the deer are going to change their pattern real fast. Um, yeah. But I am, I mean, pretty much every every Saturday for sure, uh, and a lot of time, and most time during deer season, every Friday afternoon and Saturday, uh, I'm in the woods hunting, or if it's off season, I'm scouting, or I, I hike and camp a lot. I'll do that, pig hunt, uh, fishing or whatever. So um, I'm a weekend warrior, but my wife pretty much knows uh, if I'm not gone on Friday night, I'm going to be gone at 4 a.m. on Saturday, and uh, I'll see you Saturday night, and uh, that's just kind of how it is, or I'll go crazy. So I get out yeah, there a lot. Get out there a lot. That, that she, um, she she hunts too, right? I mean, she's uh, she, I, doesn't I think do I, she doesn't do it a ton. I can normally talk her into you know Thanksgiving uh, holidays. She'll go out with me and um, Christmas time. Uh, she likes to fish with me a lot, but. Um, she doesn't like the long walks on public and the cold weather, but uh, she'll go with me a couple of times a year. Well, at least at least there's uh, understanding there. You know what I mean? Like she, uh, as far as like you know, she's she understands what you do, and um, I don't know, is okay with it, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now we you know everybody always asks me, "How do you get away with that?" I'm like, if if I'm home on Saturday, she's like, "Oh man, are you not leaving?" Because <laughs> I'll drive yeah. her insane. I'll start bugging her and just going you know cabin fever yeah my wife says i pout and then i say i don't but i probably do so i'll do <laughs> you know um all right so let's see so then you're you're out there and uh, how, how long did it take you to have uh have, have success out there then so i made a uh, the fun decision when i decided you know i kind of had a, a break there for a few years i moved here 100 for a year and then i had college and I did night class while working full-time job, and there was a few years in there I really didn't get to hunt much. But when I got out of college and knew I was going to start back up, I just went all for it. I said, I'm going to start hunting public land like I've always wanted to. I'm going to start hunting with a traditional bow. <laughs> um, so I bit off a lot right off the bat. So, uh, And we do have a slug gun season. So um, I think every year but the first year, I've gotten a buck uh, – with the slug gun, um, we won't get into how many I missed the first couple of years with the traditional bow. It was a little bit of growing pains, um, but last couple of years I've started to started to have some su- success with the the longbow as well too. But I think just the first year is the only year I didn't didn't kill a deer or a good buck or something on public. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it wasn't it was a lot of just trial and error and uh, getting it figured out, but not not terribly long. Okay, so so let's jump into that journey then. Um, you know, you, you said you kind of grew up, uh, not grew up, but I mean, when when you started hunting with a bow, it was with you know compounds and that like that, that sort of stuff. What what made the switch? Like, what what was the switch for? Uh, hey, I'm gonna, you know, jump to pick up pick up a recurve or a longbow or or what have you. Right. So I think it was. I was always kind of interested. In, you know, I was always that kid like western movies i was pulling for the indians i was always into that type of thing mm-hmm. and uh i always thought it'd be cool um didn't think much of it and it's it's funny i've told the story numerous times uh i'm indebted to him but when i was like 
14 or so, I drove down to my grandfather's on my four-wheeler. We, we grew up on this. We were on the same road. My whole, a lot of my family lived on the same road. And uh, my grandfather and me were really close. And uh, I'd go down there pretty much every other day and see him and hang out with him. And I went down there one day, walked inside, told my grandmother hello, and then headed to the back porch to go hang out with him. We talk hunting and fishing and stuff. He had a pond in his backyard that we'd fish. And um, there's a, a gentleman sitting back there. His name was Mr. Oscar and uh, became one of my good friends. But um, I walked out the porch and my grandfather introduced me to him. I shook his hand. and My grandfather said, Jesse, you'd, you'd like Mr. Oscar. He hunts with, a, with an Indian bow. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, I hunt with a long bow. And I didn't even know people really hunted with them. And he invited me. He was like, he's like, yeah. And I said, that's really cool. I, I, I'd love to see that. And he said, you can, you can come over anytime and shoot it. I'd, I'd love to let you shoot it and check it out. And uh, he was probably just being nice. But like I cast that in the back of my mind was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm taking him up on that offer. So I think a couple of days went by and uh, shows just how much times have changed. Even even though I'm a young person, I like asked my dad, I said, hey, can I go see Popo's neighbor and go to his house and shoot a bow he was like sure yeah that's <laughs> fine by me like, wouldn't do that nowadays my grandfather's like like yeah he's fine so i actually called him and he said i'll just come pick you up i was i was homeschooled it's part of the reason i got to hunt a lot and uh he said i'll just come pick you up so my dad mom let this random guy come pick me up and he was just the nicest guy ever uh took me to his house and um, he was shooting a, a kadiana i think they're called tree stick longbow and I was like your typical trad guy. The first time I ever watched that arrow fly out of that longbow, it was like oh, magic oh, for Ac- me. Acadian woods, Acadian woods, woods. Yep. Yeah, that's on one. Of, that's one of my bucket list ones, actually. For sure. <laughs> for sure. Uh, I bug him all the time. I still stay in good touch with him. I said, you know, whenever you whenever you kick the bucket, I'm gonna drive to your house and grab one of those. And he, he says one of them's on my. He's got a few of them. He said one of them, one of them's got my name on it. So nice, nice. Yeah. Those are beautiful bows. Oh yeah, I, I fell in love with it and. I bought one. I didn't want to bug him. I was like, I don't want to be like this annoying 14 year old kid bugging him. So I just, I went out and I bought like a PSE recurve and I got it. I didn't know. I got it in 55 pounds. Hmm. And I couldn't shoot it. I was horrible. And I tried and uh, I hung it up and I was like, I can't do this. Like, you know, everybody said, just pick a spot and it's like throwing a baseball. Well, I was never a pitcher. You know, if you told me to throw a strike, it probably wasn't going to happen. And I was like, well, I just don't have the talent for this. And, uh, well, and baseball doesn't weigh 55 pounds either. <laughs> exactly. So I gave up on it and I always thought about it. And then when I got older, I was like, you know what? I got the time now. I'm about to go through a learning process, learning in public. Like, I'm just going to do it. So bought another bow that was a lot lighter and it's been history since then. What What was that bow that uh, kind of clicked for you? Um, My first one I bought, like that was in my right draw length was a, I think they're called Bodenick Slick Sticks. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, boy, I missed a lot of deer. <laughs> I don't think I ever killed one with it. I killed one pig with it. And um, I, that, w- that was a great bow. And honestly, now that I have some confidence and uh, I have gone through the the cycle of, okay, am I an instinct shooter? Am I a gap shooter? I could probably go back to that bow and be fine. But mm-hmm. um, then I got to Did you have the longbow version or the recurve limb version? I have longbow. I've always – 
I've always loved the longbows. I've, <laughs> so, you know, so sorry to interrupt. Just a little aside. So, um, I, I'd always wanted one of those one of those slick sticks, right? I always thought they're one of the coolest looking bows. And then uh, one of them came up on one of these um, uh, like Facebook groups or whatever, you know. And uh, I'm like, oh, great deal, you know. So I ordered it, you know. And it came, you know, came perfect or whatever. And then I'm looking at the limb tips. I'm going, they're awfully curved for a longbow. You know, maybe they're going to, maybe when I string it up, they're going to be straight. So I string it up. Uh, it turns out this was the recurve version, which is not a very popular one. Like if you ever see a, a, a slick stick, it's usually like the longbow. And right. uh, this thing was a recurve one. I'm like, okay, all right. Well, so I got it to kind of uh, just kind of review on the channel a little bit, you know, super, I mean, a great bow, um, you know, kind of 50 style recurve. The only difference is, is basically the limb tips, you know, but I thought it was great. I, it, it shot, um, from what I remember, it's it was feather light, mm-hmm. and uh, it, the arrow was like the sh- the shelf was like like really low to the hand, you know, like right above your hand. So it, it pointed really, really natural, even though it had a locator grip on it. Right. So yeah, I, I I thought it was a I thought it was a pretty great bow. Yeah, I was it, it was a sweet bow. I just I didn't know what I was doing while I had it. I thought it was the bow the first couple of years, so I sold it and I bought a a bobbly, and now I've got another bows, but. I've kind of fallen in love. I shoot a now I'm shooting a big stick hitman okay. and um, a great northern just classic longbow. And I got a you know how it is. I got a primal tech on order now, so I'm nice. all over the place. All over the all over the place. Yeah. Do you um do do you kind of gravitate toward uh, a certain style of bow? Like I mean recurves long uh, recurves longbows, um longer bows, shorter bows. I mean what have you kind of found your uh, niche there? Or are you just happy bouncing around? Yeah, for sure. So my wife's always getting on to me and giving me a hard time because, man, I've bet I've shot, traded, you know, dealed 20, 20 bows in the last four or five years. I've shot, <laughs> shot Black Widows. I've shot Bob Lee's. I've shot um, oh, what else? The Primal Techs, The the uh, oh, what's the one I can't think of? Anyway, I've, I've shot all the big names and uh. I just can't get away from the prettiest looking bow to me is a, a reflex deflex longbow. Yeah. And I like a two piece. I don't like, I don't like the, just seeing the limb bolts and stuff just doesn't, they're fine. I just, they don't speak to me like the ones. So a two piece reflex deflex longbow is my absolute favorite. And I like it. I liked it about 58 inches, 60 inches. It's funny. Um, you say you don't like the limb bolts, so limb bolts. So um, aesthetically, right? I'm I've, mm-hmm. usually I'm kind of the same way. I'm like, man, those like like the antler, you know, limb bolts kind of look gaudy to me, and I don't like that. Mm-hmm. But I want, you know, but the takedowns kind of look cool. But uh, but so, but when you have like a combination and all kind of like the stars align, it pops out. So we were talking about the tree stick earlier, right? So I think one of like you know. The, the prettiest bows is that Acadian Woods, uh, you know, three piece takedown tree stick um, yep. and it with the with the antler limb bolts and everything, you know, just yep. on their own, you know, certain certain aspects of it. I don't like. But then all together, you're like, wow, that thing like really looks really, really cool. So I don't know. Sometimes you just got to see the whole package, you know. Yeah, for sure. I'm that way. I go back and forth. Uh, but probably the prettiest bow I've ever owned. And I kicked myself. I, I sold it and I shouldn't have done it. But I just don't know if you can beat Greg Coffey's Java Man Elkhart. That is just a beautiful bow to me. I've got, I I've had got one. one. Yeah. And I shouldn't have sold it. Uh, I regret it. It just didn't agree with me. I could not I could not get that bow to shoot where I, I looked. I tuned arrows. I mean, it, it shot fine. But 
I just I got frustrated and sold it one day and I kicked myself for it. So I'm so I'm looking at mine on the wall. I'll never sell it. It's 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 the prettiest bow I have, right? It's <laughs> the most gorgeous bow I have. It's also the one that um you know out of the three that I shoot right now, it's all it's it's um like mine's 56 inch and it's only about like I don't know I pull about 43 44 pounds on it at 27, right? So nothing you know nothing crazy. Um, but of of the three bows here, that one is the one that I have to concentrate the most on and be like technically perfect, right? Without any kind of um, like like torque in the hand, uh, either on my bow arm or uh, you know torquing the string with my string. Nope, I lost you there for a second. You there? Hello. Assuming your headset probably kicked out. Yellow. Hello. Can you hear me? Hello. Oh, there. Are you, are you there? I'm back. So I heard you oh. saying. Can you hear me? Hang on. It's that kick out on you. There we go. Yeah, I'm there. You can hear me. Yep, there we go. Sorry. So I heard you saying, out of all your bows, the Elkhart you have to be perfect on. Yeah, I went on this whole diatribe, and you probably didn't hear any any of it. So I was <laughs> I, I was saying, uh, yeah, of all of them, we got to be technically perfect, right? It's the one that's most like susceptible to, um, it's the one that's most susceptible to uh, torquing, uh, mm-hmm. both with my 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 bow arm and with my string hand right i have to, i can't put any kind of torque up down you know twist you know wrist twist or anything like that in it um you know i it, it shoots a little higher for me i have to consciously aim you know lower uh you know unless i built some you know much heavier arrows for it which i haven't gotten around to doing but it's but it's but it's also the one that's just i mean i just i just i love picking it up and, and shooting it because it demands like so much you know concentration you know so yeah yeah, it's he's got so much reflex loaded in those limbs. I I felt like it was touchy too. Um so I liked it. I shouldn't have sold it. I think uh I think if I don't, which I think I'm gonna, if I don't just love my primal tech, I'll I'll probably just settle on my big stick hitman and roll with it. Just go with that, yeah. Yeah. Um what 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 made you um uh, as, as far as shooting that, just just out of curiosity, you know, we were kind of talking about it, but um, what what made it difficult to shoot for you? Like for you know, uh, was it a tune thing? Was it just a feel thing? What? No, I, identical to what you said. I just if I if I didn't have perfect alignment and just it seemed like that it would it would it wasn't forgiving. Um, now there's some people that say they're the most forgiving bows. For me, it just seemed like I really had to focus and. Uh, you know, when you're in a tree stand and you're getting twisted around, you got deer underneath you. That's mm-hmm. probably all going to fall apart anyway. So I, I I needed something for me that was um, a little bit more forgiving. Uh, I've I've grown as a shooter since then, so I'd imagine if I if I got a hold of it again, I'd be fine. Um, it's it's what do they say? It's it's the Indian, not the bow, right? Yeah, there's there's some bows in my past that I wish I would have back because it's like man, um, if I you know if, if I could if I could shoot those the way I shoot now. Yeah. um things might be different <laughs> i mean i'll tell you though like i i did not like the way it looked it was heavy but you, you pretty much don't have to do anything on one of those bobbly uh three piece like i had three piece longbow and that thing just shot 
So, Keep talking. Yeah. So, um, you said, uh, uh, hang on a sec, just starting. There we go. Okay. So, before I had a uh, little snafu here with hitting buttons on my screen, I shouldn't have. You were saying uh, the, the bobbly, right? Uh, yep. I've, I've shot a bobbly, but you said that thing pretty much like shoots itself. That's what I've heard from from a lot of people, right? Between that and the Black Widow, uh, you know, like center cut or past center cut in some cases, depending on the model, uh, you know, heavy riser, um, especially with that, uh, what's it, is, what they call it, like the stable lock system, right? Where they got the limb that are yeah. more I didn't, I didn't have so the just stable more lock. I just had the classic two bolt, um, okay. I think, yeah. But it was it just dead in your hand and shot good. But I don't know, man, it just didn't speak to my soul. I didn't like the way it looked hanging in a tree and it was heavy. Yeah, that that is yeah, that's one bow that I'm that I'd like to shoot as well. Um, I'd like to get my hands on a bobbly just to say, you know, um, <laughs> you know, of course I'd probably fall in love with it and be like, oh, how can I afford this? Yeah. One of my best friends, uh, Delano, he he shoots turned archery, and you probably seen him on social media. That's all he shoots, and he got me shooting it. They're a sweet bow. So now you're um. So you're, you said you're kind of hooked on the the Hitman right now, right? Basically, yeah. is that kind of your main one? or? Yeah, that's kind of the main one I got. Um, I killed a couple of deer earlier this year, so uh, I wanted to shoot that that great northern with the wood arrows. And that's a sweet shooting bow, too. Um, I'm actually going to take a pick on it in a few weeks. But, yeah, that Hitman's just a really good in-between. It's fast. It's quiet. It's good weight because I got him to build it out of G10 or whatever it is. Um, oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. And it's a two-piece too. I, I like. Uh, I don't do it as much as I'd like to, but a couple of my WMAs I can take a, a kayak in, so I wanted the two-piece option. And that's a sleeve system, right? It's not yeah. like a quarter-turn uh, bow bolt or whatever. It's like a sleeve. Yeah. Just sleeve. I think they make it out of fiberglass. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Never, never, never shot um, one of Bob's bows either. Um, I've talked to him a few times on. You know, I've had him on a couple times here, but um, never, never shot one of his bows. They, they look like they would be pretty pretty comfortable shooters because um just looking at the like the palm um it, look, it looks it looks pretty flat right i kind of like a flat um not the not the palm swell on the side but i mean you know just kind of like where you where you would grip the bow kind of where it goes down your lifeline um i, I kind of like it a little bit flatter so that it to my mind it resists uh torquing and rocking kind of in your hand right um I'll, and I, I like that feel so and it looks like those grips grips have that i don't know yeah, I've learned people either love or hate his grips. I did a little bit just because I don't know if you ever you talked to Bob. I mean, he's just a huge man, so <laughs> his hands are probably triple the size of mine. I did a little bit of sanding to give me a little bit of radius, but other than that, I mean, they're sweet bows. And uh, so, so let's talk about the setup then. Um, okay, we can geek out for a little bit here. So, what uh, what, what are you shooting as far as like poundage and and, and arrow setups and yeah, what are you liking? So I've been down that rabbit hole a couple times. I went from the went to the extreme for a couple of years. I was shooting like a 660 grain arrow out of a 45 pound bow, and it was dead mm-hmm. quiet. But I didn't like what it did to my gaps. Um, so I've kind of settled. And after seeing this year and a couple shots, uh, 45 pounds somewhere in that 520 grain, 540 grain arrow. Um, I do leave them about 30 inches just because it reduces my gap a little bit. I can see further out on the arrow. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm either shooting cheap Zwickies, uh, which is kind of a file sharp. And that's they're always in my quiver, and I'll shoot them at anything. If I'm shooting at a deer, 
I like the the three blade woodsman. Um, like okay. The, I like I like three blades. I don't know if it makes me a bad blood tracker or whatnot, but I've seen they bleed more, and I can get them sharp easy. I can lay them on a stone and just drag them. And uh, so it's either Zwicky or Woodsman, 520-ish grain arrow, 45 pounds at my draw, 58-inch bow, and uh, Selway quiver. That, that sounds almost like exactly like <laughs> like what I got. You know, I'm, I'm 43 to 45 pounds. I, I draw a 27-inch, but, um, you know, the arrows are like, they all end up between like 500 and 530 grain. Uh, the ASL is actually a little bit heavier. But um, as far as arrows goes, but yes, yeah, same deal. Um, and I've just, I kind of go, you know, between, uh, you know, I, I, I tried shooting like the uh, the three blades and I, I, for me, I didn't like the sight picture. It was really weird just because I've, I've been like learning to shoot off of like a two blade that's horizontal um, and it's just part of the sight picture. I don't necessarily aim off of it, but then like when I got some, uh, through some, some three blade VPAs. And the first time I drew back and I was going to shoot at a target, trying to dial them in, right? And they flew great. But I was like, ooh, I do not like the sight picture. It just, it was something different, you know? Um, and I, I had to, I had to sell them. <laughs> no, I fell in love with them. I like them. Probably my favorite thing about them is, uh, man, you just, if you have a, a fine grit stone, you just lay them on there and drag them and you can just sharpen them so easy. Uh, um, I don't find, you know, people say the three blades don't penetrate well that last doe i shot this year i shot her at 15 16 yards with a 510 grain wood arrow and i i hit her in the the shoulder and it buried up on the off side in the fletchings and i was like okay well i'm not gonna worry about the penetration thing then we're making a good shot but i like the three blades but i'll shoot the zwickies too i shot a pig with the zwickies earlier this year and had great success with them um are you finding any difference in blood trail uh like like realistically or is it um you know are, are they down in sight basically and just not a not a worry i don't know if i have enough experience or they're called data to make that decision um hmm. I, I mean i had uh there was a few years in there when i first got into traditional bow hunting i was missing a lot of deer and unfortunately i, I wounded a couple and uh i was shooting two blades and i don't think that had anything to do with it but i don't know at three now with uh three with the three blade woodsman or the vpas i mean they're both made by the same company and mm-hmm. uh both the blood trials have been i mean all three of the blood trials have been good but the pig i shot with this wiki was it looked like spray paint on the ground so you know how it goes yeah. i mean I, it seems like i've made some long shots and didn't have any blood it's it's so weird yeah, the, the last the last thing I shot with a Zwicky anything was a Zwicky Escalite, and I was actually shooting it out of my compound, and it was a pig, yeah. and it was a perfect shot, double lung. Um, even though she kind of spun around, it still hit like the back of one and out, you know, out the front of the other. And you know, this was down in Florida, and she and she was still. Um, it took a you know she went 80, 100 yards, and it took like an hour to find her, you know. Right. Um, so. You know, and of course you're grumbling like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to switch to Simmons after this, you know what I mean? Which, you know, I have Simmons sitting here, right? I mean, I think they're, they think they're great, but, um, I think it all depends on, again, I don't have enough, uh, you know, experience body count, that kind of thing to be like, oh, this works and that one doesn't, you know, but, um, I, it, it sounds like, you know, yeah, three blades are going to give you more blood trail, but, um, lose some I, penetration. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I that's okay. So again, I don't have the experience with it, right? So I I don't have the right to talk about it. But um, it sounds to me like that was kind of like the 
what what we've always kind of heard right from for people and stuff but i mean like new data coming out and stuff it just seems like that maybe that's not the case i don't know if you get them sharp put them where they're supposed to go it sounds like all of these arrows you know if they're flying straight and they and they hit straight when they penetrate that they're all zipping through you know um at least at least not enough to matter you know on on deer size and you know bear size game kind of thing i think so much of it matters like too i mean if the deer shoulders forward, then it's running and its shoulders blocking the hole. If fat slides in front of it, I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, I made my decision one day. You, you, he was your last guest. I messaged RC Robert Carter, and uh, yep. yeah, I don't know if you saw his post today about a rock, and he was like, "I shoot Zwickies, snuffers, and there's one other one." And I'm like, "Okay, he's probably killed more deer in one season than I'll ever kill. I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna shoot a three blade and Zwicky, and whatever I have on my my arrow on that day is what I'll shoot, and I quit worrying about it." Yeah, I, I saw that post. Um, and he has killed with a rock because I think he uh, he flitnapped uh, when when he was uh, I think he flitnapped his own you know heads and and river cane arrows and made a self bow and I think he took a couple deer with that thing too. So I mean that dude was just like a straight up. I mean talk about um, <laughs> so yeah, talk about uh, outclass too. Like I I went and listened to that one today, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I just published it the other day. So um, by the time people hear this, you and I talking, it'll be like a couple weeks after. But still, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, I listen to myself. I'm like, good Lord, I sound like absolute like bow hunting 101 rookie in that one. You know what I mean? Because I I don't know. You're always kind of critical of like uh, yourself when you listen to yourself. Right. You're like, man, do I asked like the most basic, stupid questions <laughs> like, so how, how, how is it hunting on the ground? Do you like back cover or front cover? You know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, my goodness, Summer, come on. But it was it was a uh, it was, you know, r- really cool talking to him because I've, I've I followed him for, I don't know, a couple couple of years now. And uh, I mean, there's just a lot you can learn from 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 people like that, not just him, but just, you know, a lot of these people that are just just straight up like woodsmen, you know, yeah. and they're they, they don't get caught up in uh, in the minutia stuff. You know, I mean, it's fun. It's fun to geek out on on stuff and chase these things uh, tuning wise, that kind of stuff. But um, I think you also have to balance it with like knowing when to say when and understanding, like, does it really matter? You know, in the woods, it's fun. It's fun on paper and on forums and, uh, you know, tuning and get you through the winter kind of thing, playing around with stuff. But, um, you know, when, when it, when it, when it comes to, uh, actually hunting season, you know, it's, it's probably back to basics. Like these guys have been doing it for a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one thing I think I talked to, uh, have you done an interview with Mr. Warren Womack? I have. That is also another one that I asked. It was one of those I was like, I don't want to say um, starstruck isn't the word, right? I don't want to use that one. But I wanted to be like so like straight up polite with the guy. And uh, it was a bad connection. And I was trying to do it on my lunch break. And I I really I'm I'm, I'm privileged enough to talk to him. But I don't feel like anywhere near like I did the justice uh, in that interview with him. But it was a few years ago. Yeah. No, just guys like that. Like I just that's that's who I want to listen to now. And I think I think something that changed for me is one time I was it, he might have said it on your podcast or one of them. But when he told me when I heard Mr. Warren say his average shot distance was like 13 yards, mm-hmm. like that's that's the difference right there. When when you're a woodsman to the point where you're taking 13 yard shots, that's that's the key right there. You know, I missed a lot of deer trying to shoot 20, 20, 20 to 25 and. I just decided I was like, nope, I'm going to I'm going to make sure I'm in the right tree. Um, I'm moving when the right time to move and taking closer shots and let the rest fall into play. And 
you know, I tell people when they get into it, yeah, have fun, learn the tuning stuff that it, it will make you shoot your bow more, but you know, listen to the guys that are getting it done every year in the fall and you'll do a lot better. Yeah. It, it seems like, um, the, the, the little nuggets about, you know, wind and set up in certain terrain to maximize, you know, your, your position kind of thing and wind, uh, cover, uh, you know, getting in and out, that, you know, those kind of things are, you know, like way more important than, you know, do you have 22% FOC or 27% FOC, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think the sooner you, you know, people realize that, then I think that's when they start like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to start focused on the, on the real stuff. Um, so this, uh, okay. So you're on public land, you get to public land. How are you, um, how are you setting up? Are you, are you on the ground? Is it, is it climber territory? I don't, I don't really know the oaks that you were mentioning. So um, is it, you know, hang on stands? Yeah. So um, I do not do a climber. Climber just is too restricting for me. Uh, I did the saddle thing for a little while, but I've just settled in. Um, I, I bit the bullet a couple years ago and bought the uh, the Lone Wolf Custom 0.5 and just went to a, a lightweight lock-on with three or four sticks and um, – if you can get 14, 15 feet in our terrain, our topography, then you found a good mature tree. You know, I've, I've taken shots and killed deer at probably mainly 11 and 12 feet the last few years. You just can't get too much high canopy start pretty early. Um, so, yeah, every, pretty much every time I get there, uh, throw a, a mobile lock-on stand on my back and um, carry it in. And uh, whether I'm going to an area I'm familiar with or fine and fresh sign – hang and hunt and take it down that evening unless I'm going to hunt in the morning and uh most mostly field dressing deer so I have a a good uh lightweight um oh I just forgot uh mystery ranch uh pop-up 18 okay uh, I think it's 18 or something like that and uh quarter them out throw them in that and carry it out so yeah pretty pretty much mobile since it's public I think we're allowed to leave a stand up for 48 hours or something that mystery ranch is that the one that um, is that model is that the one that has the the bag that separates and it, you know from frame from a frame to a meat shelf kind of thing or is it just uh yeah uh, so it it looks like a small day pack and then there's little clips that you can slide you can you can pop it up and um get the weight off your shoulders and then yes you expand some straps and you can put your game bag I use a pillowcase uh put your meat in there and then sense the bag back down I think uh. Ethan Rodericks, the one that got me on it. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, I've packed out. I've packed out two deer in it at, at once and wouldn't do it again. But I uh, put my buck in it this year, which was a um, four and a half year old buck, and I think I went a mile and like a quarter and didn't have a problem with it. What? So what size is that? I think it's the pop up eighteen. Uh, I'll have to look. Um, actually, and that's just the right. interior, though, right? So once, but once it separates, you've got that whole meat yeah. shelf. You can do what you want. Yeah. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. I I <laughs> I, I put a deer in this uh, um, Kuyu Venture 1800, but I mean, it was like a little baby deer this year, so <laughs> it, it really didn't it really didn't stress it out capacity wise. But if I needed to, I could always. Um, I think I was seeing this on the last uh, last episode. I've got these Kuyu bags, right? That have. Uh, uh, I have several of them, but like two of them are the ones that are kind of these kind of longish ones that have that have handles on them. You can okay. kind of carry them like luggage, right? They call them the boned out game bag. So if worse comes to worse, I mean, I can just literally like put whatever in my backpack and then put the rest of it in these things and, and, and walk out, 
you know, just kind of, you know, like, like two uh, grocery bags, basically. So I'm not, I, just, I, I just looked at it. It's the pop-up 28. That's what it is. 28. Yeah. So yeah, um, bags, how deep cool. do you have to go in, in some of these places? I mean, are you, are you having, well, actually, how was the pressure in some of the, in, in these places where you go? And then how deep do you have to go to, to do what you do? Um, it kind of varies. Uh, like you always hear guys say some of, you know, not to be cliche, some of the best spots are right by the parking spot that guys overlook. And then some of them are deep back in there. I'd say on an average, uh, average, maybe a mile probably is my average spot in. Um, uh, so I think my, my doe I killed this year was mile, mile in. I think my buck was mile and a quarter. I think my dad's buck was like 800 yards. <laughs> so it just depends. Um, I, I try not to overthink that too. That was kind of lessons I learned. Uh, I was really bad about overthinking spots and mm-hmm. started having more success when I slowed down and said, nope, I'm, I'm, I, I might be 50 yards from the truck, but I'm seeing deer sign and there's obviously deer here and trusting my instincts and, and just hunting where I'm seeing sign. So, so navigate terrain too. I mean, um, what, what does it look like? Is it, uh, is it relatively flat? Is it rocky? Um, you know, trails, not trails. Yeah. It, we're access. Isn't too bad here. Most of the time, um, there's some type of perimeter road or access road that the forest service has cut through. So, uh, a lot of it's walking like two track roads and then diving off, you know, maybe your last half mile. Um, I'm a big Creek bottom hunter. So I use creeks for handrails and slip through, uh, those, um, but uh, I'd say probably 70%, 60% of your walking is like two track, two track roads that are old logging roads or, you know, just, um, access roads. Uh, some of our public lands, they allow, uh, cattle to be leased out to the state and people can put cattle on it. So they'll go in there and put gravel roads that you can walk in on. So not that, that, that sounds pretty, yeah, that sounds pretty similar to, to, to me here, you know, um, you know, I, I may walk like three, four miles, you know, and that's a long one, but mm-hmm. you know, two and a half of those, three of those maybe would be like on a, on a walking, you know, relatively easy walking trail, you know? Um, so yeah, that, that, that definitely helps. It's still, it's still, you know, you're still hoofing it. <laughs> it's still, yep. still a long way, but you know, uh, you know, some, sometimes people make it sound like they're actually bushwhacking, uh, yeah. you know, like three miles deep and it's like, okay, I, I, I don't know. I think the only person that actually does that can back it up is probably like Dan and fault you know (laughs) there's there's one place I hunt that it's a huge river bottom and it's kind of treacherous to hunt man it's like it all looks the same and you got to walk through it and I kind of hate it because of that Mm -hmm. you're just walking through hardwood bottoms for miles but no I agree sometimes when I hear guys say stuff like that I'm like well I don't know if I, I fully believe how intense you're saying but any guy that's getting out there and and walking and carrying a stand in However you want to hunt, that's I, I respect them for that. But it sounds like we're kind of accessing the same way. Yeah. So, um, all right. So I typically don't, you know, do this like with the whole like hunting story kind of thing. I kind of joke like, you know, there's Nine Finger Chronicles for that, right? But um, I do want to hear your like your your first trad kill, right? Um, I, I kind of want to hear hear the story of that. Okay. So, um, first, uh, my first trad kill was a pig. Uh, you want that one or a deer or what? Let's let's do one pig, one deer. Why not? Okay. Uh, so, pig hunting. Um, there's an Army Corps of Engineer uh, 
place not too far from my house. It's only like a 20, 30 minute drive. And uh, I knew I was going to get off early. And I was right before I left for work. I was like, I'm going to throw my bow in there. And I told my wife, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to slip in there and just do some spot and stalk pig hunting and uh, do that. So I got off work and um, headed to it, parked my truck and started walking in. And uh, normally, typically pig hunting, uh, I don't know if you ever got to do it. You got to put in a lot of miles before you bump up pigs. Um, mm-hmm. It's like, I'm not a, you know, I don't really pay attention much. Sign. I just walk until I find pigs. And um first little creek bottom I slipped down into, easing through it at a decent pace, not really still hunting. And 60 yards in front of me, out walks a sow uh, going away from me and had like 10 or 15 piglets behind her and I uh, had the wind on her. It was perfect. I'd only been walking for a few minutes and um, I just kept pace with them and I figured they were going to a little water hole that I knew about uh, about 200 yards down the river bottom and uh, just a, a pool in the river that always holds water, not river, but creek. I slipped up on them and uh, I got down there and I could see the piglets everywhere and um, I could not find the sow. And I just kept getting closer and closer, and the piglets weren't paying me much mind. At this point in time, I was about 17, 18 yards away from them, behind a big oak tree, just using it to break up my silhouette, and I, I could not find the sow. And then it was like a video from Africa where a hippo blows out of the water. I think she just had her head above water. She was laying there the entire time. I never saw her down the water. And she well, blew. She was all. She was submerged. Oh, she was submerged down in like oh, rolling geez. around in it. I had never. I, I don't know if I was just wasn't paying attention, but she blew out that water and kind of charged me to not charge me, um, but just kind of got between me and the pigs and kind of was like, what, what's going on? And I drew back and uh, I shot her quartered two, but I tucked it, you know, between the shoulder and the neck and uh, went through and passed through the backside of her. And uh, she took off running <laughs> one of our piglets stuck there and i shot the pig the little piglet uh oh I mean, nice. hogs are in base up here like we just we that's not cruel like you just if you you just got to shoot him when you get a chance you shoot him yeah and, um, stuck the piglet he ran like 50 yards and piled up and uh she held the arrow actually pretty good and um got the piglet and uh i lost the blood trail on her she went down into a slough and i just couldn't follow the the blood in the water it wasn't nothing to follow yeah. and I could tell where she crossed. So I looked and looked and looked, couldn't find her. And, um, I told my wife when I got back, I, I grabbed the piglet and got out of there and I said, I'm going to get up early and go in there tomorrow morning. And I bet she's going to be laid up, bellied up by that water. Cause they always go to water when they're wounded. And, um, sure enough, I slipped right down in there and she's swollen up, laid in there right by the water. Dead as could be. And, uh, that was, that was the first, first trad kill on that one. So, Nice. It was, it was a cool one. And then uh, first deer. So first deer um, was early bow season, second week, uh, headed in. Uh, this is first trad kill, right? Yes. Yeah. So um, corns were still dropping really good. I knew there was a uh, oak flat that I wanted to go to that is just always tore up in there just droppings everywhere and fresh acorns and rooting around in there you know kind of like like rc and warren will talk about and um 
So I slipped in there and uh, brought my stand, and I thought I knew what tree I was going to hang in, but um, we had a drought this year, and uh, only one tree. And normally there's five or six trees down in there. Only one tree was was dropping, but it was it made the hair on your your arm stand up. I mean, there was so much sign underneath it. Really. So hung a stand, got you know probably 13, 14 feet up, got settled in, and uh, wasn't. Probably an hour later, here comes a, a single doe coming in behind me, and she slipped in. I was calm, just uh, told myself relax, and she fed around, just had no idea. It was just I, you could hear her sucking up acorns, and uh, she finally turned and gave me a quarter away shot, and um, drew back and double lunged her, and she uh, she ran about 60 yards, and I I heard her just it's like she made a jump. Maybe there was like a little like a ravine or anything but just like a little drop off down into it at the bottom and i just heard her jump and crash and that was it it was second week of deer season and got my stand together cleaned her right there and was was back at home that night probably in time for dinner it was a, it was a quick hunt but it was it was a those, good one those are the good ones yeah sometimes like the quickie uh you know just kind of go get it done you know it, it's it's one thing to be like yeah you know i was i you know x many days and you know i uh you know whatever i, I spent uh you know hours and hours and hours of days and days and days and then like you know but then like there's something to be said to just be like you know i went in it was quick. I was home. <laughs> I was home in time to watch The Simpsons, you know. <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. I like went home on a Friday night and I was like, well, I got all day tomorrow to bone her out and get her get her agent in a in a nice chest and hang out with the family. So those are good nice. every once in a while. Nice. So when did you decide to uh, kind of a hard pivot here, real quick? But um, when did you decide to do the the YouTube channel? Because uh, you're you it's it's been out for 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 a while, but you got you got you got quite a bit of stuff on there. Yeah. So. Um, I messed with it for a little while, and uh, honestly, the YouTube just – it was a way for me. I'm terrible at journaling, and I always liked when guys journal and they can go back and say, you know, I killed this deer on this date, and I've always loved photos, and uh, I'm terrible at journaling. So I was like, you know, I can put together just simple videos. You know, if you watch my videos, they're they're raw. They just pretty much say, here's the date, here's the spot I'm at, you know, and here's what I'm doing. And I just that was my way of kind of preserving the memory. And uh, my wife helped me a little bit. I'm not super tech savvy and I film everything uh, on iPhone and GoPro. And, you know, they they come out decent. They're not they're not flashy or anything. But, uh, man, they're fun to fun for me to go back and watch them and say, you know, I remember that like it was yesterday. And I guess I started posting them more consistently on YouTube this summer. Uh, A couple guys had watched a couple of my videos that I had never posted like, man, you should, you should post these. Like, it's like you said earlier, it's, it's painful and cringy watching yourself. Yeah. And a couple of people were like, you should post these. Like, you know, we know what you're doing and stuff. Like just, just go for it. And I started posting them and I don't, I, you know, they are what they are, but, uh, guys like me and you enjoy them and uh, it, it's fun to mess with. And it gives you something else to do, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, yet another kind of aspect of the, of the of the hobby you know and um i i tend to like uh the non overproduced ones you know it's 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 fine every now and then when you're watching like some longer kind of cinematic thing and it's got you know all those b-roll and it's got you know this music and you know it's professional but i mean like sometimes like 
I, I want something in, 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 in between like, like that and like, you know, 20 kill shots and 20, 20, you know, yeah, 10 minutes sure. kind of thing. Right. Somewhere in between there's like the kind of quick, dirty, here it is not overproduced. And yeah. then you can, you watch it for five minutes and move on kind of thing. Right. Um, exactly. Which, which I think a lot of guys are, uh, I think, the, I think the more people that are doing it, um, do it that way just because that's, you know, because they're not professionals, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll watch all, all of it. Don't get me wrong, but, uh, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's okay to have that out there. People just want content. You know, mm-hmm. I think, I think, um, like you said, you're more critical of yourself because you think it doesn't live up to this. I don't know what, what people expect out of content. And it's like, well, no, they just want to watch stuff. Yeah. I just, I want to know, you know, I want to be able to look back on it and say, here's where I was at. Here's what I was doing. And, you know, that's it. That's it really. Uh, yeah. and sometimes that's, here's where I'm hunting at. And then the very next scene is me at full draw and I'm shooting a deer and then here's the story behind it. And then sometimes you see numerous animals or you catch numerous fish and you get more content, but kind of just mine is a, a, a video journal a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. Like I said, everyone kind of has different reasons for it, but either way, I'm, I'm glad you're putting the stuff out there. So, um, so I guess we can kind of start wrapping this up here. Is there, is there anything that we didn't talk about that, uh, you know, you want to talk about or uh, did we kind of cover most of, uh, you know, mo- mo- most of Jesse? No, I mean, that's pretty much it, man. I mean, I just, uh, it, like I said, if it's, it's outdoors, I'm doing it, you know, uh, I, I love, I love hunting, uh, but I'm just as much a fisherman and a hiker and a camper as I am hunting, but I do, uh, traditional blue has got a special spot in my heart and, um, just kind of what I do. It's kind of what I live for. Other than other than God and family, it's the most important thing. So, yeah. So I was, uh, you know, looking at your stuff, like I said, and there's a lot of fishing content out there too. And I'm not like a big fisherman, you know what I mean? But uh, yeah. there's 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 plenty out there too, I'm sure. So um, maybe, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you listen to uh, Jim Desias on uh, Mangrove yeah. Mountains podcast. <laughs> maybe maybe give him a call. Maybe I'll be on or something like that. And you guys can talk fishing, you know, and bow hunting. You know, that's uh, fishing. Fishing is not my thing, but I know you got a lot of a lot of cool stuff out there, and I'm sure people want to follow that too. Yeah, I love his, I love his podcast. Uh, I've been following him for a while, so. Yeah, good guy. Now um, No, no, absolutely, yeah, and he's like I said, he 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 gets out and does it, you know, it's like whenever he can, right? I mean, he's just like a. Like like me and you, you know, got a job, got responsibilities, uh, has to travel, you know, or drive places and deal with people and that kind of stuff. So it's, uh, you know, um, I think a lot of kind of going back to where we really quick when we were talking about the videos, like it, it, it all some what you see, right, that people put out is like the finished product. Right. Um, and it sometimes seems like, oh, it's this person has it easy and they just walk into the woods and oh, there's deer, there's deer, there's deer. But, you know you know they may have like i don't know 30 days of like interviews and b-roll that, that never went anywhere because they didn't see anything and it's like nope <laughs> i try to tell people all the time like on social media youtube you're seeing people's highlights like what people don't see is there man there was literally seasons in there where i i was missing just a ton of deer i just i was not being successful and just have fun with it i tell guys don't take it too serious enjoy it have fun with it you know don't don't try to compare it to everybody else just enjoy while you're out there and you'll find some success but you're gonna have a lot more you're gonna have a lot more non-successful hunts as far as killing something than you are killing stuff and just enjoy it yeah so you better enjoy it right i mean yeah it's it's exactly um so perfect way to end uh if people want to follow you where do they follow you 
Um, I think I'm, I think, <laughs> I think I'm Jesse Johnson underscore TX on Instagram. And then my YouTube channel is, I think just Jesse Johnson 95 or something. Um, if you, if you get on my Instagram, I think there's a link in there, but yeah, it's, uh, I think, uh, no, it just says Jesse Johnson. Yep. Yep. Jesse Johnson on YouTube anyway. So, um, yeah, so hang out with me here real quick while, while we wrap up. So everybody, thanks. Uh, thanks for listening. Definitely go check out Jesse. Like, you know, uh, you guys listened to for the last hour here. So pretty, you know, pretty genuine guy, average guy hunting, passionate outdoorsman. So I'm sure you'll like his content. So, uh, and if you like this content, make sure to like, uh, share and subscribe. Really appreciate all that stuff. And it really, really helps with, with algorithms. I hate, I hate going into that kind of side of it, like, uh, talking about algorithms and things like that. But any, every time you guys share something, it, uh, it really, really helps out. So, especially when you, you know, tell a friend and all that. So anyway, uh, with that said, I will talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening.